Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is at those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We are your hosts. I am PS McKay, and I guess I'm sitting on a dock in the bay, wasting my time. <sighs> yep, Otis Redding. I had a completely different uh, intro in my head five minutes ago, and that it's just completely gone. I'm completely Jesus, gone. And and I am all for good music history. <laughs> and poor Otis. Tra- tragic music history. Yeah, that's that's the key. I did a I did a um an Is entwined the podcast. Talk of the Bay. Oh, punny, very punny. Uh, I did a I did an entwined episode uh, talking about uh, shoot Buddy Holiday and um, Buddy Holly Buddy Buddy Holly sorry Buddy and, Holly uh, Vichy Valens and the Big Bopper Yep and well I did uh, Buddy Holly and and Otis Redding and how their lives were connected by the same plane same model plane same model plane. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was an interesting episode, and I got to... I, that was the first time I learned about Otis's tragic ending, so... Do you, know uh, the, uh, do you know the story of the individual who should have also been on that plane? With Big... With Otis? No, with oh. Big Popper, Richie Valley. Oh, I think I know this, but I can't... I don't, I don't know the answer. I, I think I've heard it before, though. Enlighten me, please. Don't be so depressed about it. So, ironically, it was supposed to be Waylon Jennings was supposed to be on the plane. Oh. So, yeah. I think Did anyone take up. his place? Well, There were a couple of people. There were like two people who were supposed to get on the plane. Uh, One guy flipped a coin with Richie Valens, and Richie Valens got on. Uh, But (laughs) Uh, J.P. Richardson, a.k.a. the Big Bopper, Um, Jennings gave up his seat on a bus for seat on the plane from the big bopper who was a bigger man Mm. dang dude oh yeah pretty wild huh that's that's a tough putt it is a tough putt to have that kind of brush with death i mean the same with seth MacFarlane. although he wears it a little bit differently That's when he should have been he should have been on one of those uh i forgot what the number was but one of those flights from boston um and he ended up being late and he missed the plane we've talked about this i think yes and for years he was like i will not make any september 11th jokes and then no. that went out the window and he's like yeah, well. <laughs> of course like, it did. well that's what i call going full seth Okay, remember that. <laughs> well, um, speaking of Seth, I've got a very newfound appreciation for his storytelling abilities, which were already high. 
Uh, they were exceedingly high already. But man, we're going to talk about this next episode. I was darn impressed with the Orville season. Yes, and we will get into that. Uh, but first, we have some very... Well, the world of science fiction and Star Trek in particular has taken a bit of a beating over the last month. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, several notable guest stars who were also fairly well-known character actors, such as Paul Sorvino and, of course, David Warner passed towards the end of July. But the beginning of the month, we lost... One of the originals, one of the greats of sci-fi, and a truly impressive individual, someone involved with civil rights, music, the space program. Uh, I could go on and on about the accolades, about all the things she should be known as, but the original Uhura Mm -hmm. from 1966. From three seasons of the original series, one season or whatever, the two seasons, seasons of, uh, of the animated series, animated series, yeah, Star Trek movies, the great Michelle Nichols passed. Whom? Week. Whom? All you could say is she was just a treasure. And anyone who had anything to say about her and meeting her and everything all say the same thing. She was so kind and she was so caring. She was, and she was always my Uhura. She was no <laughs> fool either. She was No, bright. she was not. She was driven. No. And you know what? She was pretty funny. Yes. Yes. They started to let her flex. And like uh, Walter Koenig, Tim Russ, and a few others, she actually started doing fan production Star Trek mm-hmm. on, the, on the interwebs. Enlighten me as to some of those roles. Was she in that one with uh, Koenig? Yeah, was it... there was one that was like Gods and Heroes or something like that. Yeah, Gods and Men or something Gods like Star Trek Men. Gods and Men. That was, I think Tim Russ actually directed it, and he was in it as Tupac, <laughs> and she's like Admiral Uhura. I've seen it. It wasn't bad. It was like, I saw, it, was, it came out like 15 years ago, and I think I saw it then, back before YouTube was cracking down and CBS and Paramount were cracking down on these things. I'm sure that that has been a race from existence. It's actually, I think it's on her IMDb and on her, I think it's on her Wikipedia page because it's well known. I believe it has its own Wikipedia page. Yeah. Oof, man. Well, she, she will be truly missed and... I gotta say, I, I mean, there's a, there's a touching photo of um, the four members of the original Enterprise crew that we've lost sitting together on the bridge or standing next yeah. to each other on the bridge by themselves, and I was not prepared for that. Did I send uh, you that? Yeah, that was you. <laughs> 
And um, all I can say is, like, I, I mean, I cried when Leonard Nimoy died. Uh, not going to lie about that. That was, uh, that was a rough day. And, uh, you know, just, it's just, it's sad to see more and more of our heroes pass like this, you know? Well, I mean, it's not like we can say she didn't live a long life, at least. No, no. She, in fact, lived probably one of the best lives out there, uh, you know? Uh, as well as you can. As well uh, as you can. With some of the things she did have to struggle with coming up through Hollywood and the 60s and such. Oh, yeah, no, and I'm not implying that she had, you know, a silver spoon oh. in her mouth when she was born. I know you're not. Uh, she, <laughs> but she was definitely someone who persevered, overcame, and to be almost practically anointed by Martin Luther King as a symbol for progress for the civil rights movement. I mean, to the wrong person, that could be crippling to your you know that could be overwhelming yes like well but you're not happy (laughs) or you know i want to pursue other opportunities and to many people that could cause somebody to implode or buckle under the pressure but she was like you know carbon becoming a diamond you know Mm -hmm. the more pressure you seem to put on her the stronger and tougher she got and the more luminous yes absolutely i mean literally they walked through half a dozen ten names of notable astronauts that she brought to the program uh people of color women i mean uh, she inspired whoopi goldberg to ask for a role on star trek who was a huge star trek fan Mm mm-hmm you know, we've all heard the story about her telling her mom, hey, there's a black lady on TV and she's not the maid. And then, you know, how, you know, she inspires, uh, she was inspired by Nichelle Nichols and Dr. Mae Jameson, the first African-American woman in space, was inspired by Nichelle Nichols. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's... It's amazing the impact she had. I mean, she literally worked for NASA. <laughs> yeah, oh. they gave her a. Gosh, was it a recruiting thing or a yeah. recruiting she, gig? Well, yeah, woman, women in motion, or something like that. Wasn't that? Mm-hmm. So it was something like that. I'll get it wrong. I, I I'm not too familiar with it. I know that it was mentioned though. Well, I mean, one of that's one of the mm, that was one of those things that they talked about in a lot of the videos and news clips and tributes and in all the articles. And of course, she was what eighty nine. Yeah, I I didn't. I, I got to be honest. I avoided most of her the the eulogizing news because it was just too painful for me uh you know it 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 was tough and you know at first i was a little you know sometimes when sometimes when notable celebrities die they're all over the place right yeah like at first it was a little slow to go 
but then just YouTube and mm-hmm. Facebook and you know other other news sources and social media really started blowing up. The tribute videos from all the various Star Trek sites, uh, you know, all the all the Facebook pages. I mean, uh, that we will I belong to even the the ones that generally focus on hilarious memes. Um, were the ones putting out these beautiful sentiments, quotes from from people about her. Uh, The the tributes put out by George Takei and and William Shatner were just so overflowing with praise and love and, you know, it, it... in a way, it breaks your heart, you know? Yeah. I mean, she was, and I know she had been in poor health the last couple of years, and there had been some, I guess, some issues with. There was concern about elder abuse and right. or the use of her finances and stuff. Exactly. Although she was fairly active, even in her failing health at at uh, conventions and stuff. Oh, mm-hmm. Up until only like the last year or two, really. Yeah. She and she inspired so many. I mean, there's a lot of pictures of her with um. Oh crap! Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Who who's Burnham? Ah. Oh, uh, Sonequa. <laughs> I I had a complete brain fart on that. Uh, <laughs> a lot of beautiful pictures with the two of them together um yeah the story about how when may jameson was on next gen and uhura who had or in michelle nichols who had literally no screen time with the cast of next generation she wasn't in generation she didn't get an episode in tng she went to the set you know so somebody gets to meet their hero Mm -hmm. dang dude she, she was a legend and mm-hmm. i'd seen a few articles a few videos stuff highlighting some of her best performances in star trek and whatnot and all the great ones including the animated series where she actually does take command of the enterprise in an episode of the animated series which i didn't know that yep I gotta, I mean... The Lorelei Syndrome or something like that? Look at you even pulling the name out of your house. Oh, I don't don't know. (laughs) It's only because I'd seen some of these things pop recently. Okay. So I won't won't, uh, fake it. (laughs) Because then it it truly... uh, Then you'll cease to be amazed by my ridiculous pulls from long gone memories uh, the Lorelei signal there it is but yeah and I and I had seen a list and one of the things that uh, I think a gross um, oversight on a list I'd seen was in many ways she kind of was the one who came up with the plan or the idea to find and kill Chang's Cloaked bird of prey. They're all. Uh, 
how to track down the bird of prey and Spock saying that, you know. Well, he said gas. Yes. And then Uhura's like, well, we have all this equipment on board for like studying gaseous anomalies and all this stuff. And then I look at and she says, it's got to have a tailpipe, right? And so they're like, that's right. That's right. There it is. That's right. She did tie it all together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, uh, I had the um, opportunity to rewatch the episode Balance of Terror oh, uh, for the first episode. season. It was an amazing, and I watched it because of the the finale for Strange New Worlds, of course. Of course. Um, and Uhura taking, I mean, she, everyone, everyone upped their game when it came to portraying their characters in that episode. And Uhura, Nichelle, was no less magnificent. I mean, the, she she was complaining. She's complained about, and rightly so, that she wasn't used other than for, you know, hailing well, frequencies open, or she actually huh? but helps fly the Enterprise, doesn't she? Yes, she does. She actually jumps to the con, uh, which I, I I saw that. I'm like, oh wow, that's great. There was a there's been a great meme floating around about that because look at it in the. Uh, in 1966, you literally had a black man or a black woman and an Asian man in positions of authority with the utmost respect and trust of their captain in a crisis situation. There was yeah. no, oh, uh, well, I guess, uh, who do we have left? Oh, shit, I guess it's you. No, it's like Uhura, get down there, you know. Yeah. So she just dives right in, you know. Well, isn't that isn't that the mystique of the Starfleet officer? Like at this point that they have earned that trust because they are a notch above a typical person. Well, I mean, the next man up, I mean, it's not just the Bill Belichick thing. The next man up has been a military thing. At least it's been a a key component of uh, the United States military. That's how we trained next man up. You know, we would go through training and, you know, you got, you know, hey, you know, you're doing an exercise. Boom, your your sergeant's dead or boom, your officer's dead. You're in charge. What do you do? And that's what and that's how you get trained, you know, snap decision making and stuff. That's how we're trained. Yeah. So, you know, if some if the dude had to run down to whatever another part of the ship to i think it was like weapons or something so i mean if he had died it would have been the same thing right <laughs> yeah no that's true so it's true um but they they didn't hem and haw they didn't go oh no it's a woman or a no it was black just, kirk's like it's just a fact of life it's like lieutenant take the con not yeah. like hey sweetie there was none of that it was oh <laughs> and, a, and, and as much as an intergalactic player as Kurt was, I mean, he, like with Uhura, typically it was lieutenant or, you know, kind of like it's like Spock or commander or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. No, uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, he, he, he treated her, he treated her professionally with the, uh, you know, respecting the, the level that she was at with her, with her rank and everything. Mm-hmm. He didn't. Uh, he wasn't informal with her. He was. He was showing nothing but respect for her. Yeah. 
I mean, it was, uh, it was powerful. I mean, she, and of course, once they started giving her some things to do and say in the movies, you know, particularly yeah. the back half of the movies, then you get to see a little bit more of her sassy side coming out. Yeah. Like the scene where she pulls the phaser on the, on the tool young officer in search for Spock to help everybody escape. Mm-hmm. Yep. There was that. And you know, then, uh, what was it in Star Trek six when they they, uh, call crewman Dax down. And she's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. like ah. yeah, she's sitting there going, oh, what did you, what are these guys doing? <laughs> yeah. it, needless to say she's been an inspiration and you know it, not not to, to dive down a, an inappropriate rabbit hole but she was an absolutely gorgeous woman you know uh, both physically you know all the way to the end beautiful woman but a powerful woman strong intelligent mm-hmm. she could she had a beautiful voice. She was a kind person. She was basically the complete package, you know? Oh, yeah. And, of course, two legions of Star Trek nerds, forever, you know, a sex symbol, an icon, <laughs> a crush. I mean, how could you not? I mean, Uhura yeah. was strong. She was smart. She was witty. She was skilled. Uh-huh. You just have to respect that because, yes, there was some writing that went with that, but you don't get that without Michelle Nichols' performance. And for all she did with uh, being a civil rights icon and, you know, essentially realizing that her little piece had meant more than just a, a weekly paycheck on a kind of cheesy uh, sci-fi TV show. Right, right. And she owned it from that point on. And she was our hero, you know. You remember when Carrie Fisher died and all these, our princess kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, Deservedly so. Because she was another smart, brash, you know, strong woman, uh, but Michelle was, was if, if Major Barrett was the queen of the Star Trek universe, Michelle was easily its crown princess, <laughs> perhaps even the equal to the first lady of Star Trek, oh, maybe sure. beyond her cultural impact, most definitely beyond. Yeah, absolutely. But, well, I mean, even then, I mean, because uh, Michelle Barrett played number one. She did. First officer. She did. And it aired in the 60s, and I don't think anyone batted an eye about it. It's because it didn't air. Well, no, 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 it did under the menagerie. Yes. I'm just saying, I mean, but this actually, okay, um, I want to go into another topic that's related to Michelle and 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 oh. to, to to put a bow on this. Before um, we do that, I would be remiss that another great civil rights icon and a big deal 
in the New England area also passed, I think within 24 hours of Michelle Nichols, the legendary Boston Celtics. Great. Oh, yeah. Bill Russell. Yep. 11 championships in 13 years. <laughs> Two NCAA championships. An Olympic gold medal. A presidential medal of freedom. He's he's one of the most awarded athletes in history. Oh yeah. The most de- and I, he might be the winningest uh, like professional athlete of all time as far as championships. Maybe not so much like you know the Michael Phelps things. You know the individual awards. Or no, no, like championship. You know team in, stuff. Yeah. And he went. Oh, that would make sense. And he was, you know, coming up in the fifties, dealing with a lot of the racism, and there's definitely some rough times even here in Boston. And he, you know, there was times like his team said, you know, some of his teammates, you know, they were like, yeah, hotels on the road weren't letting him stay there, and they're like, well, fuck you, we're not going to stay here either. I mean, in a lot of ways, he. He had very similar experiences to, like, Jackie Robinson. But Mm -hmm. Bill Russell was epic. And he was a civil rights... He was another person who was a civil rights leader. Sure. And he was... He became the player coach for the Celtics and still won championships. (laughs) And, 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 And some of the... He... His impact on the game of basketball, his impact in, I think, breaking some of the color barriers uh, in the NBA and in sports, as well as just having to deal with so much bullshit and hate and racism, and at times even from his own fan base. Uh, early on was just oh sure and one of the winningest people of all time just epic epic career i mean it was like two years he didn't win the nba championship and i think it was in the finals those two years i mean the guy literally there's, there's a picture <laughs> of him with this shit-eating grin on his face and his head in his hands and there's a ring on every finger yeah, yeah, I saw that iconic photo. Because they were throwing that out there like, you know, Jordan's rings and then Brady when he won. It's like, hey, I won more. And then Bill Russell's like, yeah, you all are cute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was a tough man. And he, he, made, he was important in civil rights as well. And we lost two big civil rights icons, one from the entertainment industry and one from sports, but who also whose impact on civil rights went beyond their fields. So, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you saw the video of when Obama gave Bill Russell his Presidential Medal of Freedom, you can see he was like geeking out because Obama's a huge basketball fan. And mm-hmm. he was totally <laughs> totally the president girling he was fan oh yeah he had this huge <laughs> you know, you'll get the polite ones the you know he he was smooth barack was pretty smooth 
on a, when they were doing these awards, but man, you could just see it in his face. Like this guy was like, holy shit, this is like the man kind of mm-hmm. thing. So. Well, sorry, I didn't mean to hijack it, but that that was a big deal around here. No, of um, course, no. I mean, the news made it out podcast, here. Patriots newscast <laughs> because this this guy is like on the Mount Rushmore of New England sports, and really should be on the NBA's Mount Rushmore when you think about it. Oh, he should. Yeah, absolutely. And One of the all-time greats in the NBA. All-time greats in American sports when you think about it. Mm-hmm. I did interrupt you before you got to your part so no it's okay uh so i mean we lost two great icons and, and great americans this past week and you know it's, it's tough to tough to deal and we just want to recognize them for their contributions not only to society but to how we've been shaped growing up oh, yeah. with those icons out there you know and um and we, I want we weren't uh, even you born know, when these two were in their prime, really. No, no, and that's the kicker. I mean, that from our perspective, they were just established. They were there, and we're like, cool. Oh, there you are. All right, we're there. Um, but um, uh, <laughs> our subject tonight, we were kicking around is uh, badass, badass people or badass char- sci-fi characters part de, um. This might take us off topic, and I want your permission to see if, if you're willing to... It, it, it's part of it. It honors the subject. Why are we jumping out of genres? No, we're not j- jumping out of genres. Um, because I can guarantee you the answer is going to be sci-fi related. All right, well then let's cut to the chase because we do need to knock out a few notable ones we weren't <laughs> able to get to. Yes. And and uh, I'll let you do that in full swing in a second. Here's the question. Who was the first female character that not that you had a crush on? But someone that you were enamored with because of their character where you were like, that's my leader. Now, it's easy to say Kirk and everything like that, because you Sci-fi female character. It's easy to say something like Kirk or something like that for us because that's, you know, we're, you know, white boys. We were, and We were, what, 13 when Voyager launched? I mean, there weren't uh, really a whole lot. There weren't really a whole lot of leaders, like female leaders on TV in the early 90s. I'm not saying leaders. I'm just saying, like, characters, female characters that wowed you with their with their ability and it, it wasn't a sexual thing no that's kind of where i'm going with this man yeah because as much as i love deanna troy and as much as i've grown to appreciate the good the some of the the great character moments she did have she was kind of eye candy right you know, oh and, believe me that turquoise that turquoise outfit <laughs> Um, as, when I started doing rewatches later, I really liked Tasha Yar as limited uh, experience as she had. You know, one of the things I will admit is being a 12, 13 year old guy watching some of these sci fi shows was wow, they have really beautiful women on them. And yeah, they, there was. Them. But as I've gotten older, a... I just realized just how tough and how badass 
some of these women really were. I think Janeway might be one of the first that kind of just stood out to me as like, that's a badass. That is a that is a leader. That is someone in command. Okay, and even though I don't rank her as one of uh, in my top two or three, you know, Star Trek captains, um, she's not the bottom. She was definitely tough. She was definitely someone who commanded respect. You know, I instantly, I instantly accepted Janeway as as the captain and in a position of thor- of authority. She, I never needed yeah. her to win me over. I, I, I just, if she's a captain. There you go. And she's going to make the right decision because she's in Starfleet. So <laughs> that, that was the way I equated it. But she wasn't the first person that I actually sat there going, wow, that's a person of power and, and, and um, intelligent respect that I need to honor. I'm going to throw this side, side curve here. She-Ra. Interesting. She, She-Ra was... It helps the old filmation too young to go. Oh, she's really hot. (laughs) (laughs) But Shira was a a, a person of great power or, you know, a woman of great power in a fantasy sci fi landscape that I watched religiously. I watched. And yes, I had there were no feelings about her. Well, she did come after. But um, yeah, yeah, no, no. And um have you gone back and rewatched any of those episodes, the Filmation episodes? I've gone back and rewatched some Filmation He-Man episodes. I think I did. I want to say I, I rewatched the He-Man Shira crossover um, on YouTube a couple years ago. Okay. Uh, it's. I found it anno- when when they introduced Shira through the backdoor pilot. On He-Man, yeah, uh, I found it annoying that Prince Adam is still like super secret with his secret identity when there's really nothing he can hide about his identity as He-Man. I'll give. I'll, <laughs> That's a completely give, different topic, man. I know, I know, I know. It's a joke. It's a side joke. Um, but yeah, no, Shiro is the first, the first, you know, female character in power that I I just saw and respected and idolized yeah i seem to recall thinking that she was pretty tough and uh like wow that but again i was probably too young to really appreciate that as well you know well i mean Lord I, knows, I watched this the super friends and thought wonder woman was pretty awesome you know so yeah no that's true so all right, moving on. I mean, that that's a good segue into some other badass people that we want to pay tribute to. Well, badass characters. I think we need to backtrack just a tad because please. I do not believe in part 1 we talked about just how badass Nayota Uhura really was. Uh we did not to our chagrin. No. It's funny, she, when you say Nayota Uhura, you think I immediately Zoe think of, yeah, I, I just think of her. To me, that's a different character. Yeah. I mean, a good representation of the Uhura character, don't get me wrong. Just, it's it's just a little different. Not a big deal. Right. I mean, and see, I I like the proto-Uhura that Celia Rose Gooding was 
performing in Strange New Worlds, which of course is supposed to be a younger version of Nichelle Nichols. Right. Um, no, I found her. I found her a little bit wearisome at first, but the she she grew on me as the series progressed. Which is good. You're seeing character growth and development, and, and that's fully admitted. It yep. more than Uhura got in three seasons of Star Trek. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and really, four if you count the combined twenty-two episodes of the animated series. Yeah, four. Yeah, the one time she took command of the Enterprise, which was probably the closest thing to career progression she got until the movie <laughs> started. Well, well they're both, old, both. so we should promote them all. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And by the way, George Takei can't stand being in the same room as William Shatner. All right, we'll give him the Excelsior then. It's fine. <laughs> he needs to be a captain anyway. So. Yep. Was, yep. was it Sulu who fired the weapons? They, they didn't really talk about it much. Because you had Dr. a helmet and a navigator. But yeah, they would. It would just be somebody firing the torpedoes. There was no like tactical station, like there has been in subsequent series, because there actually would be a separate tactical station. You know what? Yeah, Sulu was the navigator. Chekhov was the uh, Chekhov. Che- was the helmsman. Other way around. You know what I mean. It wouldn't be an Enterprise without a Sulu at the helm. That's true. All right. Uh, That's really the only way I keep it straight was that one thing. That one line. That one line. That's funny. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to some other characters that we neglected well, in our previous we episode. Define why she's a badass. I mean, we can't just throw it out there. I mean, that's not the point of this. We, we, just, to... talk, we just talked about all the things that she was a badass in. Right. In our, in our, in our eulogy, basically. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to get repetitive or anything. Uh, we're we're not glossing over her. I mean, we just spent thirty minutes, you know, admiring her her work. So, fair enough. Uhura, badass approved. Absolutely. Who do you? Um, yeah, I'm gonna steal one from you, Bruce Campbell. Ah, I think. Well, Bruce Campbell is is epic in and of himself, but I would say yes. Ash Williams from the Evil Dead. Yeah. Yes. I mean, who would have the wherewithal when his hand, to cut off his hand and then replace it with a chainsaw? Only Ash. And it went bad. (laughs) The hand starts fighting him. Yeah. And he it with a butcher knife. And then it's still trying to get after him, so he cuts it off with the chainsaws. He's laughing yeah. and then into pain, and then like, oh. the chainsaw hand. <laughs> Groovy. Groovy. And then he did the then in Army of Darkness, he makes the mechanical hand, does oh, yeah. tightens it. Boom. Groovy. Okay. <laughs> like, oh God. Give me some sugar, baby. Yeah, if you were not familiar with the Evil Dead legacy, watching Army of Darkness is not a good introduction because you just, you're not prepared for the the camp. (laughs) Come get some. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good. Don't get me wrong. But you have to be in a certain mindset to understand that film. And boy, am I glad it was made. But <laughs> Listen up, you primitive screwheads. This yeah. is my boomstick. <laughs> Shop Look. smart. Shop as smart. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Ash. Ash probably one of the most badass characters. I mean, literally, he he knows he deals with the living dead, and he comes out of it the other end pretty well. I know, right? I mean, he's a manager at a a, a Kmart clone, but still, you know. I think in the show he lives in a trailer. Um. <laughs> Yeah, you know, he's alone and no family or, or legacy. But it's fine. He came out of it fine. He came out of it fine. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's pretty epic, man. Yes. It's hard to argue with, you know. Ash, total badass. Not always... Doesn't always do the right thing. Mm-mm. He's not an anti-hero. He's not quite a hero. He's just a guy trying to survive with one quip at a time. I'm just a man trying to make my way in the universe. <laughs> oh, man. So I think that's a good a good addition to the badassery. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Did we mention... Last episode, uh, I want to say, did we talk about Princess Leia? I don't know. I haven't gone back and listened to it. I'm kind of thinking we didn't. But it doesn't ring any bell. I mean, it's hard to argue. There was, I mean, there was no female in the Star Wars universe more badass than Leia Organa. She was the only female in the Star Wars universe aside from uh Aunt Peru. <laughs> until <laughs> until the third until the third movie. So <laughs> uh, oh yeah, and what you got two minutes of Mon Mothma. Yeah, yeah. And as the great Seth MacFarlane uh, you know, showed, uh <laughs> everyone's like Oh, another female in this universe. Probably the only other female that we'll ever see. And Lois goes, crosses her arms and goes, I don't like her. <laughs> Let's not forget that, that, was, that was the Angela character who was voiced by Carrie Fisher. Yes. Yes, that's right. Oh, originally voiced by uh, Murphy Brown. What's her name? Oh. Candace Cameron. Candace, Candace. Oh, oh. shoot. Candace Bergen. It, it wasn't. That was a separate character. Oh, it was? Yep. Wait, Miss Ironbox. Oh, God. I just that said like Ironbox. Oh, my God. Stop saying yeah. Ironbox. That's the joke, though. I know. <laughs> so, wait, it's a completely different character that is in charge of Pawtucket. Uh, I say Pawtucket because That's it's just. Pawtucket. I know. I know. Pawtucket is not Pawtucket. Well, it's it's it would be like if Sam Adams and Narragansett had a baby. <laughs> so, anyway, oh. she was 
as senator at 18 years old? Yep. I mean, she already had to try to escape from imperial Inqui inquisitors at 10 years old. Well, she, let's just let's just let's just explore the original trilogy mythos. At parties. Yeah, I know. She was telling off 12 year olds. She was a senator at 18. Mm -hmm. She was already a spy for the rebels. And if you watch rebels, she must have been like 16 or 17 when she was dropping off, you know, all the Ronnie and chips to the ghost crew. Yeah. Rebels. And then what does she do? She successfully fools Tarkin and Vader into thinking that, you know, not telling them where the base is, even though they did blow it up, blow up her planet. Yeah. They tortured her. She still said, fuck you. Well, yeah, and she, she basically spins the face of... After a while, they just let her out of the, the room, and then she's like, all right, follow me, you bastards. <laughs> She uh, I mean, the Death Star attack. She yep. She's running operations in in Echo Base. She's part of a strike team you know, to get Han out. She goes undercover as a bounty hunter. I think that was a personal. I think that was a side quest, not not an official quest. Still makes her a badass. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. She joins the ground team. Be basically befriends the Ewoks. Yeah. And when her political career takes a shit because of the smear campaign, political rivals did that where they dug up the fact that she's Vader's daughter. Uh, she still goes ahead and notices that shit's going on in the unknown regions and uh, starts the resistance against the First Order. This is true. And I gotta say, I was never attracted to Leia. Never. How could how could I not? I'm just saying. Me. I, she. I just. <laughs> I mean, the first time I realized that she was supposed to be some kind of sex symbol was during the Friends episode when Chill. when <laughs> when Rachel dresses up for for. Um, Ross's fantasy. And yeah. seeing this, I'm like, wait a minute, people do that? Why would they? I'm well, 15. I'm, pro I'm show, probably 16. I mean, bravo, Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> Boo on the costume department because they gave her the Cinnabons from A New Hope and not the whatever, the uh, the wrap behind her head that she had. Yeah, the wrap. Uh, um, but I swear, everybody thinks that she wore those hoops for, like, every movie she was ever in. She really Mandela wore effect. most of the movies, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but she mouthed off to Tarkin and Vader. Yeah, after being captured, and by the way. Tiny. Yeah, she basically spits in their face and talks crap to them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> This after half her crew has been killed. She, if not all of it. She repeatedly talks shit to Han and to Chewbacca mm -hmm. in the first movie. Chewie, who normally gets angry at everybody, is like, I I think Chewie was afraid of her. Yeah, I think so. He respected that power. Yeah. <laughs> Total bad. He could recognize it. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll allow. I'll allow Leia. That's for sure. Uh, oh, to be I part of the badass club. Wow, she does not need your fucking opinion. I know you're you're absolutely correct there too. She'll just she'll burst onto the list anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, shoot. I I do think we we came up a little short on the female side in episode one of this. Yeah, why do you think that is? Um, maybe bias. I, I, I mean, I, it, it definitely was unintentional. I, I just mean, think that... mentioned Black Widow. We did mention Black Widow. You brought up Xena. Oh, yeah, I brought up Xena. We failed to mention Reboot Starbuck. Oh, yeah, let's get into Reboot Starbuck, man. Because, dang. She, she was, was mad. She was <laughs> That was probably all right. Let, let's talk about Katie Sackoff for a second. She is a very feminine woman, but somehow in that role, she was very masculine without losing any of her her femininity. Smoking booze, smoking cigars, and fighting. Yeah, like I, I mean, Please. it was a very confusing um, pilot for me. <laughs> like. I mean, she, she, I mean, they, you got to credit Roger, um, was it Moore? Oh. Ronald Moore. I, I keep saying not Roger Bob. Moore. Not, not, yeah, not, uh, <laughs> not 007. Um, you got to credit, uh, Ronald D. Moore, though, for, for writing her character as efficiently as he did in the first pilot. Hmm. Or, I mean, the only pilot I meant the first episode. But, uh, the miniseries. Yeah, the miniseries. Which man, I, you've seen it lately, right? Or did you you just started watching it, right? Or am I mixing you up with? Yeah, I watched Battlestar basically from the beginning. Okay, never remember mind. I watched it in Iraq. Yeah, my old podcast partner was re was introduced to Battlestar, the the remake a couple years ago, and I, I walked him through a few episodes, and he's like, "This is such a good show. Why why haven't I heard about this before?" I'm like, "I don't know." But it is fantastic. Hey, look, we can't subsidize his personal weakness, okay? (laughs) No, we can't. Also, I found out that his microphone got donated. He donated his microphone? I guess he did. I guess he did. (laughs) So we can't expect him to be on at any time soon unless he gets a new microphone. I've used this microphone, what, three times? Yeah. Most of our podcast has been me on a fucking corded headset. Yeah. Any excuse from him is weak. Well, I'm just saying. Any excuse from you would be weak. I I wasn't even using, like, earbuds. I was using a wired, hard-lined jack. Into- <laughs> you- <laughs> okay. These were, like, cheap ones that came with, like, a phone or something. Right. Right. I, I, I I'm just saying... I he was supposed to be in my audio drama and he donated the microphone so he can't he can't mm. can't record which that for an audio drama you have to have a higher quality microphone than what you're talking about so <laughs> oh jeez so anyway um 
Yeah, Starbuck. I mean, she was great, and she also had an amazing arc where I, spoiler alert, she dies in the first half of the the fourth season. You she know, goes nuts. She dies. She comes back to life. It was she, an angel that brought her oops. back to life, or that she came back as, or something, and she has no recollection of dying. Hmm. She's an angel. She damn must be a killer angel. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Um, hey, don't. Don't miss the fact that that was a great line from Gettysburg. That was the enti- original point of that was the original title of the book, The Killer Angels. Ah, uh, OK. I got to confess, I never saw Gettysburg. Had, had probably one of the greatest soundtracks in all of cinematic history. Excellent soundtrack. Again, uh, as we've discussed, they're the guys who did Briscoe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, epic. I didn't mean to dismiss your quote. I just didn't know your quote. Fair enough. Your weakness is so noted. Uh, I think we've determined that I'm a pretty weak individual, DT. <laughs> yes, well, that being said, our epicness must fully continue as we go on to yet another badass. Now, Starbuck was, before we find, close out on that, she was an ace fighter pilot. She was a drink and smoke and fight and fucking pilot. She was basically... <laughs> Like every match, she was like any of the dudes from Top Gun in the in the 80s, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, All that absolutely. Shit, you know, the, the fucking topless volleyball tournament. <laughs> the Val Kilmer teeth thing. Ugh. That that was her. Just yes. <laughs> So they basically went for every single 80s uh, male, um, gosh, what am I looking for? Male uh, stereotypical representation. Stereotype, yeah. From the 80s, and they just said, let's do that with her. (laughs) She was basically a 1980s male action star. Basically, actually, I think that's a very valid analysis. Yeah. Look at you, coming up with something profound. She punched lots of dudes in the face. She did, yes. Yes, and she slept with two brothers. Ew. Mm-hmm. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Um, no, I, I, I will respect the, Star, uh, the Starbuck uh, submission because... If I don't, I'm going to hear about it with her fist. Yeah, she'll punch it. You don't need to worry yeah, about it. She, she won't hesitate on that one. So, <laughs> All right, I'll allow it. Um, <laughs> I know, I just, I, I recognize what I just said. Um, here's one that is a travesty that we didn't think of. And it, it's, it's yours, but I'm just going to take the, the, the lead on it. Mm-hmm. Every character played by Ming Na Wen. Yeah. yeah. Every single one. 
everyone. First of all, I was introduced to her in Stargate Universe. Which I'm unfamiliar, but go on. She was she was a, a civilian delegate and um, actually a lesbian. Uh, her character was and yeah, I mean, she was intelligent. I mean, the big thing was they were stranded on a ship that was four galaxies away. Oh, she was Star Trek Voyager. Got it. Well, they're not in control of the ship. The the ship was on its own, you know, piloted course. It's similar to Voyager in that respect. But yeah, she helped like coordinate, you know, uh, putting together the, the, the command team and, and how to govern among civilians and military and who should be in charge of a situation like this when you have such military leadership. Um, and then these these civilians that they have no authority over. Uh, yeah. It was well done. It was well played, I felt. And Stargate Universe is considered as the series that lost its way, the the Stargate way, but still. Oh, you mean so it was the, what people, you know, how people say that was Enterprise? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that Enterprise was still more faithful to the Stargate, uh, to the Star Trek mythos. And I I think that's just because the people who criticize it the most, I think, jumped off before seasons three and four. Well, yeah, they absolutely did. You are correct with that. But you're right. She was badass there. And of course, I mean, I I mean, she was Mulan. She was in ER and... That's right. She was in ER. I forgot about. Th- oh, you know what show she was in? What? No, you want you know what show she was in? She was in the show The Single Guy. Oh yeah, I know. Ah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those shows that they tried to cram in after Friends. Yeah, yeah, I loved that show. That was a good show. Ernest Borgnine was in it. Good. Um. Uh, eventually, uh, coming on that show was Olivia Dabo, who was in both Star Trek and Star Wars. That is true. Wait a minute. Where was she in Star Wars? She was Luminara and Dooley. Jedi Master. Who? Oh, yeah. That Luminara and Dooley. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like happened. Oh, that was her. Yeah. Yep. I'm looking. Okay. Yep. No, it was her. Yep. (laughs) I feel bad. There's so many names in the Star Wars world, man. I get it. It's not a good excuse if you're a fan. I get it. Trust me. But, uh, but, and of course she was in Agents of Shield, where I love. Ming Na Wen was. Ming Na Wen was so good in Agents of Shield <laughs> as Melinda May. She, she didn't say Jack, but she kicked ass. Yes. She was kind of like the quiet lone gunman kind of thing. She, uh, I did, oh man, it didn't take long for me to heavily respect uh, her character in that show, because, man, I mean, she was the, she was the heavy in that, in that team. I mean, she was strategic, she was, she was the hammer, I mean, she was all of it, and, uh, and by the way, when she was filming all that stuff, she was 50. She's almost 60 now. Yeah. And she's still That's doing Fennec a lot of Shand. great stunts as Fennec Shand. Uh, yeah. 
in Mandalorian the Book of Boba Fett. I mean, she had some great badass characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fennec Shan just literally took out the entire leadership of the people going after them in one fucking move. <laughs> yes, she did. And she was lethal as shit. Dude. <laughs> I, I, she almost I, took out Cad Bane in the Bad Batch. No, that that I remember. Yeah, um, I didn't watch it, but I, I read about it. Oh, um, yeah. I I wish they utilized her more than what we saw in the Book of Boba Fett. I wish they had utilized Boba Fett more in the Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> I've heard theories about why that uh, that's that season was so disjointed. It's all conjecture, so I don't want to really give it time, but. Me either. It's very weird. I mean, it's something definitely was happening behind the scenes. You could pull a couple of great badass characters right out of those Disney Plus shows. I mean, Din Djarin, uh, Cara Dune. Those yeah. are great ass kickers. I mean, Bo Katan. What about um, <laughs> Amy Sedaris's character on uh, Tatooine? She's a special. She's a special character. She is a very special character. <laughs> that, that quirky engineer mechanic thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Works I mean, a little too much with Mercury. Yet, but have we yet to say how truly badass Miles O'Brien actually is? Was he uh, part of last week's list? No, probably because we really held him in such high regard as one of the best engineers in Star Trek. But that's also one of the things that makes him so badass. Yeah. Because badass doesn't just mean kicking indoors all the time. You know, you used uh, Ming-Na's character from uh, Stargate Universe. She, she wasn't a soldier. She was, what, a diplomat or a government official or something? Government official, yeah. She was doing this shit... You know, you said she was badass, despite the fact she was, like, not out there fighting. <laughs> yes. Miles O'Brien. Well, she was, she was a person of authority that... I gotcha. Ultimately, everyone in that show respected. I gotcha. And, and that was Leia Organa in, in, the, pre, in the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. She was still a total badass. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. And, I mean... Miles O'Brien, I mean, he flew through a fucking lightning storm in a shuttle to rescue uh, Riker, Troy, and Data and set up the emergency transporter. No, he he used the trans he used like the emergency transporters to get him down to reinforce it. Yes, yes. I mean, with that, the with the with the amplifying array or whatever it was. Yep. Lunchtime, Miles. <laughs> <laughs> that was Riker's line to him because he's like, don't worry, sir, I gotta have lunch with Keiko. Yeah. <laughs> a man a who could, subtle joke. Who could like say that. with a straight face that he built model ships in a bottle to Jean-Luc Picard when what? he wasn't actually being asked about it. What? I did. <laughs> Miles O'Brien's <laughs> speech in uh, To the Death with the Jem'Hadar after he gives him We're the Dead speech. 
It's like, I am Chief Miles Edward O'Brien. I am very much alive, and I intend to stay that way. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, you're true. And he, I mean, he's an accomplished soldier, like a, uh, probably one of the preeminent engineers out and there. He figured out how to make scotch flavored bubble gum. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> By the way, gross. Gross. <laughs> but still, and I drink scotch. I drink hat. scotch. That's gross. <laughs> oh man. All right. Any other any other mentions that we want to add in here? I mean, we're gonna miss a few more. We're gonna miss tons. Yeah. Tons. I'm gonna have I to say Hira. She's huh? badass. Shira. Yes. She was a badass. I'm gonna go ahead and throw out three real quick. Okay. We gotta wrap seven. it up. Susan Ivanova. Ah, oh, son of a bitch. Michael Garibaldi. Yes. yes. Jakar. Oh. You hit me I with the trio. About you hit Sheridan me with the trident. I really thought about putting Sheridan in there. Um, but we've talked about how great Sheridan was in the captain's thing. So I'm yeah. okay leaving him off because he was he was a tough bastard. But yes. And by the way, I'm. Bruce Boxleitner as the president of the Orville was pretty good. It was a good get. That was a pretty good get. I still I forgot that it, when I when I when I brought that up to you, when I brought up that he was going to be in the next one, you're like, yeah, dude, he's been in like the last three episodes. Yeah, I think he was <laughs> in like three or four episodes this season. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I don't and, know and, who and he played. And the power to a guy in his seventies for putting on that prosthesis. Oh man, yes. But, uh, yeah, Ugh. Susan Ivanova, her I am death incarnate speech to the uh, yes. Earth Force, her willingness to, like, just fucking go nuclear on everybody. Yeah. The fact that, like, more people, I think, were afraid of her than Sheridan. <laughs> Garibaldi, whose wit was as sharp as his security skills. And I didn't appreciate it at the time, but on wow. rewatch, on rewatch, I got it. You a know? man who literally had a poster of Daffy Duck's head above his bed in the 23rd century. Yep. Still I, I, I thought that was a nice touch. Impressive. Yeah. <laughs> well, think a about it. A poster like that would be an his own assassination attempt. Yeah. <laughs> and Jakar, a guy who kind of was a little bit of a Machiavellian mustache twirler in like the first half of season one, who was kind of more of a villain, and then yep. becomes a sympathetic character, and then a religious icon and a and a tragic character in many ways, and has a great, I would say, redemption arc, whereas his counterpart has like the great tragic downswing. Yeah. And a suggestion for another episode, great duos in sci-fi. Ooh. All right, write it down. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, the Orville, but after that, put the kids to bed, everyone.
But Jakar, he was a stone-cold badass, too. Like when the Centauri tried to ambush him, like, numerous times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when the Emperor was torturing him, and he's, like, literally breaking the chains. Yeah. Man, the Narner, nothing to, nothing to sneeze at, by the way. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Some stone-cold badassery. Uh-huh. Well, we might have to do a part three, part five, whatever. We know. Well, we'll just epic. We'll lay it out organically. We know. And we've talked about many characters from sci-fi, fantasy, and, and others. I mean, we've covered fantasy. We've covered sci-fi. We've covered superhero genres uh, in the, the two-parters here. Uh, epic characters, badassery, definitely. And I'm sure more will come. Absolutely. So on that note, any uh, any button or bows that you want to tie before we head on out? A tip of the hat to our departed legends. Oh, yes. I raise a toast. To uh, absent friends. To absent friends. And... This is a nice way to go. On that note, everyone, owe it you owe it to all of them. Keep dreaming. We'll keep working. So long, everyone. And we'll see you on the high ground. And maybe in the beyond. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Site Productions, produced by DT Cavman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosescifiguys.com for past episode information.